following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome back to the Tom DeShree Show for the second half of the hour. <laughs> I'm having a little trouble with my speech today. Joining us this week Where is Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and you get please take over, get Tom. Pole, That's Doc Watson, for those of you, you that didn't line, know. And uh, we got some articles we're going to discuss. They help us get going on a on an idea. Trump moves closer to bipartisan plan for more stimulus spending. This looks like a Bloomberg article. Now, Pelosi's saying two trillion. Trump's saying about a trillion and a half. Where do they think this money's coming from? I mean, it's just more government deficit spending. So while we're already at a three point three trillion dollar deficit, I guess they're saying let's go ahead and do more. Right, that's that's pretty much what they're saying, um, and uh, really, uh, you know, deficit spending. We've seen this since the financial crisis, where uh, the government uh, debt, the total debt uh, that the government has incurred, keeps increasing as a percentage of the GDP. The last time we saw these levels of debt, so debt to GDP is approaching one hundred percent which means that, you know, if your GDP is... That's trailing GDP. That's non-pandemic GDP. Right, right, <laughs> right. You know, pandemic GDP is going to be about 30% lower, yeah. I would say. Massive uh, uh, goodwill impairment. Yep. <laughs> right. So uh, the last time we saw this kind of uh, deficit spending and this large uh, debt... Uh, relative to the GDP was uh, during World War II. So we haven't seen anything like this in over 70 years. Yeah. And, you know, we're not in a wartime. We are in a time of, of disease and uh, pestilence. But um, that spending during World War II was actually going into factories, which was making supplies for the war effort which was producing jobs. This money's going into uh, people's pockets. It's not really going to employ anybody. It's it's going to, it's going for welfare payments, really. Yes, and uh, so ultimately a lot of uh, the, you know, payments, the transfer payments end up being uh, spent. Uh, so the economy today is being largely driven by consumption. So if you, if someone gets a, a check and if they go out and buy a TV or a laptop, really a lot of that money is going overseas. It's not even staying here because that TV and laptop, you know, is produced 
uh, overseas. Uh, that's not to say that an American company uh, may, you know, an American company could be producing it, but it, it's not the same as spending that money, as you said, you know, to build a bridge or build a road or a dam uh, or even uh, build a productive capacity uh, in a in a factory. Well, and I would argue too, though, and we had this discussion a couple of days ago at Darsh that, you know, really when you look at what's caused this drop in GDP and what's caused this recession, though, is, I mean, it, it was the government forcing people at the beginning of it not to work. Now, you have a lot of people that are still choosing not to work for various reasons, you know, and, and won't get into that necessarily. Um, Why not? Well, I mean, you can. But I guess, you know, what, what, what are some of the reasons seriously that, that laziness and, um, there now some, I guess you could call them valid reasons are, uh, schools not being open. So, yeah. you know, you've got to find kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, and that's, that's yet again, another government decision. Um, but the, the problem is, is, and what we had talked about is you're forcing people to really squeeze their budgets. Yeah. Um, you know, and the conversation, Tom, that, that Adarsh and myself had earlier this week was what would have happened instead of in 08, 09, if the banks, uh, instead of the Fed coming in and pumping money into the banking system to keep liquidity up and everything, what would have happened if they had of just, instead of any monetary policy coming into play, if there had have been fiscal stimulus like there is today and you keep the consumer solvent, which yeah. inherently keeps the bank solvent. Right. Um, you know, one argument is, is that the, the lessons never learned and the bubble just continues to inflate. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other argument is, is that maybe the lesson is learned and you get off the hook on the, the monetary policy for much, much cheaper of a cost. I don't know. It's just, just something to think about. Fiscal policy. You're, you're putting money into infrastructure instead of bailing out the banks. You're actually building something. Right. Although the fiscal policy that we've been seeing is, uh, transfer payments, mostly where, yeah. uh, unemployment, uh, unemployment, uh, you know, uh, stimulus, stimulus checks. checks, things like that. Yes. Um, but I mean, it's hard to say at this point, uh, you know, so back in 08, 09, there was uh, a liquidity crisis. So um, if you just give checks to consumers, yes, they would make their mortgage payments. So perhaps, you know, it, it's hard to know if that would have averted a liquidity crisis. Well, I mean, it, potentially because the liquidity crisis came on due to fear of solvency in, in some extremes. You know, it, it's holy crap. What is this thing really worth? And if you right. do have fiscal policy that says, hey, yeah, you know, we're going to we're going to back these people and they're going to make their mortgage payments this month. Yeah. You don't have this rush to the door to get out. Right. I mean, what, one of the actors that that would have protected, perhaps, uh, would would be uh, investors, stockholders and bondholders in uh, financial institutions. Then the argument is, you know, these people took a risk knowing what they were doing, you know, should they have been, uh, saved too big to fail. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, ultimately they, they did end up wiping out, out, uh, shareholders and bondholders of a lot of financial institutions yeah. and AIG. Um, and 
that you could argue was uh, the right decision from the point of view of you know uh, these people actually knew what they were doing. Um, now a lot of consumers got caught up in it. Uh, that that obviously is uh, you know debatable as far as who was at fault. Was it the banks themselves who made these loans easily easily available to consumers, or uh, was there some uh, uh, culpability on the part of uh, lot of people who didn't even have jobs but went out and you know got got mortgages <laughs> yeah oh and, and uh, so the, that the mortgage could be protected so. right yeah um so yeah i mean if you didn't have a job and if you uh didn't have uh enough assets or enough income then you should not have gotten that uh mortgage in the first place oh they were given countrywide was you're talking about back in 08 yes in, yes in 06 well, this is when a lot of these bad loans were made. Right. Oh six, oh seven. Countrywide was giving loans to people that had totally falsified their uh, right. earnings on big houses in California. Right. And there were uh, news stories of uh, college students, like freshmen, uh, getting together, you know, with their friends and buying homes instead of renting, you know, right yeah. out of high school. Well, and, and I think too, though, that when you're looking at things like this. You, the interesting thing to look at too is what decisions that fiscal policy like this has on fundamentals. You know, right now the the market's telling you there's probably not going to be another stimulus package that's signed into law between now and November 3rd. Yeah. Um, now if by some crazy home run of a, a miracle, something like that did happen. Well, that immediately changes the the solvency outlook for the American consumer, the average American consumer. So then you go to, you know, things like banks, um, things that that do mortgage type investing, um, credit card companies, all these things that do direct lending to consumers. That changes their fundamental outlook too. Sure. You know, and that that's where the interesting thing is, and and we've always talked about long term you know how capital markets always tend to thrive this is one time where direct government action changes the entire game i feel like oh it has completely right. let's move on to this in, in california's town's fire protection plans hit red tape then the flames came north complex fire hit berry creek just as the work was about to start on forest thinning projects. So these guys worked two years to get it approved with the California Environmental Commission or somebody like that for them to be able to thin out downed timber in their, uh, it was only on about 234 acres around the town, which would, um, cause any fire that came through to slow down considerably and they weren't able to get approved because it took the bureaucracy of California took them so long that, uh, you know, they, they couldn't get it done and, and here comes the fire and it destroys the town. Yeah. Uh, it's so the Butte County fire safety council on October 26th. What'd you call it before the, butt, the butt <laughs> County. B-U-T-T-E, for those wondering. Uh, the Butte, yeah, you, you told me. You corrected me, Tom. 
He said there's a there's a tilde on the last yeah. tee. <laughs> uh, received an $836,365 grant from the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection to remove trees and brush from 234 acres, as you said, Tom. Um, getting approval to spend the money is taking almost two years. Uh, so they had the money. They yeah. just couldn't get the approval to go in there and, and spend it and clean it, clean yeah. up the down timber. It's mainly down timber, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, um, and, and a little bit of thinning out. Uh, so the plan was to create fire breaks along two of the right. main evacuation roads uh, for development of homes around Lake uh, Madrone. Uh, so the interesting thing is that they said, you know, it's, while it's impossible to determine how Barry Creek would have fared if the thinning projects had been implemented, local officials said videos of other nearby areas where trees and brush were tim- trimmed showed lower flames that moved slower. I mean, that's common sense. Now, is this the latest fire that's just yes. been, yeah, well, rab- there's, that's been raging? It's about yeah. 200 of them oh, I know. in California I know. now, and then probably another 50 in Oregon. Yeah. started they, by they Antifa. Said, they said no. Well, they said one of the fires was started by somebody having one of those gender baby gender announcement parties, and they shot off some kind of uh, deployed some kind of explosive thing that had a spark to it. And I mean, it is so dry crazy. out there; you can just have a spark. Yep. And next thing you know, you got a fire going, and it goes fast. Yeah. And and it it's insane. How, how this is, ha- I mean, how long have wildfires been happening in California? My entire life, probably yeah. your entire And they're life. saying, they're saying that there's another 20 to 25 million acres that is stacked up like cordwood that could burn. I mean, it, in California. And, but see, they, they had wildfires there prehistorically. Uh, there were always wildfires every year. That was part of the California ecosystem. And what they did was they started either trying to prevent them or, uh, you know, something to retard. It's like stacking up water behind a dam that doesn't have a sluice on it. It's going to break the dam at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And now here we are, all these laws in place. So that one of these things says the Berry Creek projects languished as the Butte County Fire Safety Council struggled to gain landowner approvals for the thinning, a requirement of the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA, one of the strictest such laws in the nation. CEQA makes it easy for local residents and interest groups to oppose construction and development projects. So... Basically, somebody can say, I don't want you thinning out my forest in my backyard. And they can't go in there and do anything. But yet, that same person is going to watch their home burn because of this action. And the interesting thing from all this, and and this is where I really kind of wanted to take this conversation. So, last little part here. The fire has effectively negated the need for that fuel work now. The forest of pine and oaks surrounding the town was burned so severely that in some places only skeleton trees are left. 
devoid of leaves. So you have a burnt piece of ash, basically. Now, if you're allowed to thin out proper mature logs and make the forest a safer place for the residents, you're you're killing that bird with that stone. But at the same time, so I printed this out for you, Tom, um, from nineteen seven about 1978 uh, to today, it's uh, lumber prices. So what you're seeing is, is from about 1978 all the way till about 1992, 93 range, lumber prices were um, hanging out at around $200 per 1,000 board feet. Uh, when you go out to today, you're roughly at about $590 per 1,000 board feet. So almost triple that price. And that's down significantly from when you had a, a lumber shortage. Now, what you're seeing is, is that makes home affordability so are you relating that to this article or to this just... to this article? Yeah. yeah. So all these burnt timbers that are yeah. useless that could have been used to bring down the price of lumber that could have been used productively to build homes. Smokies is the same way. They got trees all over the Smoky Mountains that are that have fallen in the woods. They could have been logged. Yeah. And logged properly, you know. And big old pieces of timber taken out, replanted after you log a, a, a strip section, you know, th that's proper logging. And that's, that's, you've, you've messed with timber in your lifetime. You understand how good timber logging works. Um, the other thing too, that and I know how bad timber. Oh, works. Yeah. The other thing too, that, uh, really has stuck out to me in my almost seven years of being here is, uh, you, you used to talk about how resource rich this country was, the yeah. history of this country. And, to me, that is, I mean, basically when you left, when you let 237 acres, so, all right, Tom, how much, how much board foot do you think's in 237 acres in California? I wouldn't have any idea. I, I, I don't know because, okay. you know, it's, I'm sure there's some, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I Let's just say you've got a million board foot or something crazy like no, that. No, you're not you're not gonna have that on two hundred thirty seven acres. Hundred thousand? Maybe two fifty. Two hundred maybe a thousand board feet per acre. Thousand board feet per acre. So that's two hundred and thirty acres yeah. at a at two hundred thirty eight thousand at, at six at six hundred bucks. Yeah. That you just let burn up that's right. today. That's that's well these uh environmentalists and that's who does the laws they hate the logging industry they they don't like the logging industry at all and so that's why they just they 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 make them out like the oil industry they think they're like the oil industry yeah but trees come back that's that's the thing that just befuddles me is just like Trees come back. Oh, yeah, you're poking a hole in the ground. You're doing damage and uh, and you're stripping a, a natural resource that takes thousands of years to come back. I mean, a tree, you can literally chop one down, plant another one, and in 20 years, you're good to go again. Not really. More like 40. Depends on what tree it is. Yeah, that's true. If it's a poplar, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, that, that Douglas Firs, I'll give it to you, 40. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but that's what I'm – It's what I'm, crazy what they're doing. They, they, they just – California just didn't – and even the governor admitted it. We haven't managed our forests well. Governor Gavin Newsom, whose ex-wife is dating Don Trump Jr., uh, said, you know – we haven't managed this well. I guess she needed a. She spoke at the Republican convention and sounded like Eva Perone. She, she, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh, have you seen that? Um, that thing on on YouTube, those people posting those videos. Why I flipped or whatever. No, I wonder if she's done one. It's people posting why they flipped from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. But know. that's neither here nor there. What I what I really find interesting though is you know talking about gavin newsom talking about how they've mismanaged forest fires and i talk about all this think about the the cost of home ownership in california oh. think about the cost of living in california in general and think I, about I, the fact that you have no power from time to time they just turn it off they have rolling blackouts well, one of the biggest utility companies in the country yep you know, P, what, PG&E? PG&E. PG&E. And, and they weren't allowed to go in, and they had the exact same problem. Right. And then they about were two years ago. Yeah, and they were forced into right. bankruptcy courts. Right. Hear the music coming up. That means it's time for the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree, powered by Dupree Financial Group. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. What did the hands up say to the Drake? Ain't more crawdads in this lake. Honey, baby, my. You get line and I'll get full, honey. You get line and I'll get full, baby. This is what's happening. The U.S. will take action. Prohibiting WeChat and TikTok transactions. Midnight on Monday. Get the latest. Joe Biden, you know what he's been doing? If the president had done his job. Check in often. Speaker Pelosi's bill. It's not going to pass. With News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Tonight, our 2020 iHeartRadio Music Festival is coming to you. Don't miss Alicia Keys. Bon Jovi, BTS, Coldplay, Kane Brown with special guests Khalid and Sway Lee, Keith Urban, Migos, Miley Cyrus, Thomas Rhett, Usher, and surprises only iHeartRadio can bring you. Continuing tonight, starting at 9, listen on iHeartRadio and watch on the CW app.
Officer Don here for Quantrell Volvo Cars and the new 2020 Volvo S60. The dynamic and elegant Swedish sedan designed to inspire your every journey with intuitive comfort and convenience features. Plus, there's never a better time to lease or own a new Volvo S60. Visit Quantrell.com and design on your own terms. The Volvo S60 helps connect your drive to personalized comfort and mobility at an affordable price. Stand apart. Quantrell Volvo Cars. Quantrell for life. Beautiful fall weather across the area on this Saturday. Mostly sunny skies, low humidity, gusty winds, and mid-60s for an afternoon high. That is all we get. We're going to drop those temperatures quickly into the 50s this evening. And 40 to 45 early on your Sunday morning afternoon temperatures, upper 60s to around 70. And again, it is a perfect fall weekend. Soak it up, everybody, and have a good one from the WKYT First Alert Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Mountains come to life. Rivers and lakes welcome you back. The open road calls. Kentucky is full of wondrous natural beauty, exhilarating outdoor adventures, and charming towns. Even to those who call it home. Stay close. Go far. Plan your getaway at KentuckyTourism.com. When you're stressed, you just don't feel like yourself. New Natrol Relaxia, a full line of drug-free supplements to help you manage occasional stress and anxiety. A special blend of herbals keeps you feeling calm and balanced throughout the day. Because when there's less stress, there's more you. Try new Natrol Relaxia. Learn more at relaxiamood.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is an important message for all current and former Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts of America has declared bankruptcy. If you were sexually abused in scouting, you could receive compensation, but you must file a claim by November 16, 2020. You may file a sexual abuse claim regardless of your current age or the year the sexual abuse occurred. Visit officialbsaclaims.com or call 1-866-907-2721. Paid for by the Boy Scouts of America. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Get my distance for hours to storm, but I got caught up in the 
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour with the Darsh Mashru, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Now, wait a minute. We had Tom Dupree on the first half. <laughs> I did not say Tom Dupree. I do have, I got the same last name, so I can at least say that. I had to Take say. it away, Tom. Uh, and who's John this group? John Cowan and the New Grass Revival. Or just maybe maybe it's just the John Cowan band. You guessed the wrong way. It is just New Grass Revival. Chalk one yeah, there's. I, heard, I just heard Sam Bush on there. You didn't Turn mention Sam Bush. Play a little. You said John Cowan. No, I heard Sam Bush on the harmony. Newton's Law of Stock Momentum. As Sir Isaac learned, market pylons follow the same pattern. Investor beware. So they're putting Sir Isaac Newton in there simply to show that uh, he got hooked up in the South Sea Company right. um, um, bubble. And it goes on in every generation. You know, right. now it's Tesla. Back then, it was the South Sea Company. Um, and there's a book called uh, Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. Right. By, I can't think of the Charles, guy. Charles uh, Mackey. Yeah. It talks about bubbles. Right. And uh, our friend uh, Jim Grant has described bubbles also. So which bubble is this one describing? Uh, it's it's talking about uh, the current move uh, in tech stocks. What we've seen really um, since the bottom uh, that the stock market made in March, since this whole uh, pandemic thing started, we had a huge drop in the market. But since March, there have been quite a few tech stocks uh, that have gone up multiple times. So a stock like Tesla went up eight or nine times since March. Uh, Apple, big company, doubled since March. There have been multiple smaller companies that have gone up five, six times. Why, you know, the, and they talk about this, that there's a there's a, a kind of a strange brew of, a lot of it had to do with people not working, nothing to do, no sports to bet on. They were right. betting on the stock market. So I wonder how much in terms of buying from individuals on Robinhood. And I'd be interested in just that app alone, individuals buying stocks on Robinhood, how much that had to do with the rise in Tesla, just Robinhood. Uh, it's, well, I don't know how to quantify that, to be honest. Uh, there are websites that publish. There's one called Robin Tech. I think that's what it's called. It publishes what Robin Hood users are buying. I've looked at it here in the last month or two, and Tesla hasn't really shown up in the top uh, you know, list. Um, I'm sure uh, that has something to do with it, 
but I, I think it also has to do like this article talks about SoftBank, you know, buying yeah. four billion dollars worth of options, um, and it doesn't just have to be Robinhood. So there could be other young or are there other apps competing with Robinhood that are uh, kind of like Robinhood? I, I, they're not like Robinhood, but a lot of uh, brokerage companies have moved to zero dollar commissions, no trade. Uh, fees uh, so they are also trying to compete against Robinhood so you know your TD Ameritrade and a bunch of uh, other companies where the commissions are quite low where the barrier to buying a stock it used to be back in the 70s I guess you'd probably spend 50 or 100 dollars to buy a stock and today yeah, you, you pay commissions right today you pay nothing um, at the same time you know the way I look at it is that we are in a bull market that started 12 years ago almost. Um, and as a bull market matures, you see more interest from retail investors. So I, I don't think this phenomenon is, is unique. It's unique from the point of view of, uh, you know, commissions being low. But if you look back at the last major bull market in the late 90s, as it got closer and closer to uh, the peak, you saw tremendous retail uh, interest. Uh, so that aspect, I think, remains. And, you know, previous bull markets, you know, back in uh, the 70s, 80s, there was a lot of interest towards uh, Japanese stocks. And then in the 60s and 70s, there, were, there was interest towards tech stocks and telecommunication stocks. So I think, and of course, the Great Depression, there's uh, the story about how, you know, the shoeshine boy would tell you what stocks to buy. Uh, so I think it's the same phenomenon. This time around, it's, you know, young Robin Hood investors. But uh, the idea is that as bull markets mature, you know, we've had 11 years, 12 years of a rising market. And as it gets uh, closer to the peak, you're going to see more and more people interested in, in this market. No one was interested in this market in 08, 09. Oh, yeah, they were... They didn't want to hear about stocks. I, uh, our uh, sons were at a school, and I got a list of parents and sent out a flyer saying stocks are cheap. This was in 09 or maybe early 010. And they complained uh, to the school over it. Right. I got a lot of pushback. Obviously, no customers. Uh, but it was because I think people hated stocks at the time. Right. Uh, because back then, the memory of the dot-com uh, bubble was closed, you know. Uh, it was pretty recent. People had lost money in the housing uh, bubble since then. Uh, so there was a period, just like there was in the early 80s when Business Week had this famous headline, Death of Equities, where, you know, no one really likes stocks. But since then, we had this massive bull market and something similar happened again uh, after 08, 09. We've had, you know, when you look at what the market has done percentage-wise since then, it's been tremendous. It's gone up almost five and a half, six times over a period of, right. uh, you know, 11 years. So that's a massive bull market. And uh, it's taken a lot of people by surprise because a lot of people in the earlier stages did not believe in this bull market. You know, this is this was 
this has been one of the most hated bull markets because people always had a reason as to why the market was going to crash. And sure, we've seen major swings, you know. Uh, and here recently, uh, in February, we saw a quick 35% drop, which is a major swing. But unlike a real bear market, the, sw the drop did not last immediately in a month's time. You had a major swing back. Uh, so these are all signs that the bull market, the, the bigger bull market has continued. And now we are starting to see uh, retail interest. And of course, you could argue that the pandemic and uh, the inability to you know go to casinos and bet on sports and things like that has brought another section into the market. But even without that, you know, you, you would see even in January, February, before the market dropped, there were some signs of, you know, complacency. There were some stocks that were uh, going up uh, without pullbacks. Uh, that, that is you, Tom. And it's kind of that, that to what you were saying, though, like the sports gambling, all that stuff. It kind of seems almost like a perfect storm because what when you think of these big, large cap companies, you know, these these multi hundred billion dollar companies and things, a lot of their stock ownership is institutional investors. Right. So really you only have a very small percentage that is daily traded that won't yeah. and you know, we've talked about this with, with oil. It's that marginal barrel or that marginal stock. And what you're seeing is is, you know, as more people get it get on Robin Hood. So this is where the Robin Hood factor really comes into play. You know, as more and more people open a Robin Hood account and buy one share of Tesla it's that marginal share every yeah. single time. And when when you're only trading 3% of the float or whatever that number may be, you know, it, it can move the stock yeah. from a liquidity standpoint beyond where it should be. Right. Uh, and and the, the opposite holds true as well. Uh, you know, so really one could argue it's more of a liquidity event potentially. It is, or a lack thereof. A lack thereof. Right. And, you know, that's when you look at 2000, um, that's one of the, the arguments that they made there where, you know, it said an analyst could breathe on a stock and it would go up 20 points. Yeah. Right. And I, I used to see that they would have a stock. I remember one time in 2000 or maybe 99, I saw this stock on Bloomberg in the morning at $6. It was some tech stock, and they were just talking about it. And I said, I'm going to check that thing out. I got to the, the uh, office, and it was 16. <laughs> wow. Went from, and it was a nothing company. It was just right. a tech company that, you know, everybody thought was going to move. And on and top? It did move. Yeah, and on top of that, it's it goes back to that, that SoftBank thing that you said. You know, SoftBank, they uh, – they bought $4 billion in options, the call options to buy technology stocks, which represents about 50 billion in underlying shares. Um, and the firms that sold these to SoftBank, uh, evidently they had to hedge themselves because they didn't have all the shares on, on hand to cover the calls. So, you know, they're forced into buying these shares that really they were betting against. Yeah. You know, let's talk about a catch 22. Uh, you know, and it says like all bubbles, it ends when the money runs out. Uh, you know, I, another thing that from this article that I find very, very interesting is um, SPACs. So 
it, it talks about these the, all these new buyers coming in the market and they're buying into things that special purpose acquisition companies, uh, which are modern day blind pools that often don't end well. Uh, also, uh, people are chasing stock splits, which actually mean nothing for a company's value. You're, you're yeah. dividing the, the dollars per share by four and multiplying the number of shares by four. Everybody thinks if a stock's going to split, it's going to go up. Yeah, and it's all these these weird rationales. So, uh, you know, I talked talked to our uh, our new our new analyst Brad. You know, and he's talked about this one spac that that Bill Ackman uh, started. Uh, it's the biggest spac out, special purpose acquisition company. And I said, as of now, what you own is a pile of cash that is getting charged a management fee <laughs> to be a pile of cash. And not making anything until Bill Ackman does something with that pile of cash. Right. All you have is basically it's like owning a car. It's just this thing just continues to go down in value until something happens, until it becomes an antique or something. Right. All right. Federal Reserve's latest move. What does it mean for investors? Uh, Jerome Powell fleshed out the central bank's operating strategy. The, the Fed's new policy means rates will stay lower for longer. The price is financial turbulence. So, Adarsh, how how does the low interest rate policy um, create financial turbulence? That's a one obvious uh, impact uh, is that when interest rates are so low, there are no alternatives because there's no other instrument that's giving you a rate of return just to park your money not a CD, not a government bond, which means that your only option is to uh, invest in the stock market or uh, in some cases speculate, you know, when valuations are extremely high. Um, and uh, that results in, uh, you know, too much money flowing into either the stock market or uh, housing, things like that. Uh, so that, you know, when it gets undone you know stock market stocks don't go up in perpetuity so when that gets undone that could result in financial turbulence the second uh fear is just the long-term impact on the u.s dollar itself as a result of uh, the interest rate policy and what uh, if there is inflation that results from this then what impact will that have on the u.s dollar and you know u.s assets um do you think Powell is a very good Fed chairman? I th I think he has. So what's uh, really interesting about Powell is when he first became Fed chairman, his policy was completely opposite to what his policy is right now. So he came after Janet Yellen. He started by trying to normalize interest rates. He started raising interest rates. As soon as he raised interest rates, the stock market started dropping. Uh, and then he, you know, made a few statements about how, you know, they were going to wait and watch. And then he continued raising interest rates and the stock market dropped after that too. So we had this big drop uh, back in, uh, towards the end of 2018 when the stock market dropped yeah. 20% over over a three-month period. And that was because Pavel gave out this uh, uh, hawkish, as they call it, message, which means that, you know, money is going to tighten his uh, reasoning was that, you know, we've been in this uh, long bull market. Unemployment is extremely low. 
inflation is starting to get close to 2%. But the impact of that was that the stock market dropped. So immediately after that, in early 2019, he started changing his tune. And uh, he went from being hawkish to dovish, which is the opposite, where he started saying that, okay, we are going to be very slow to raise interest rates. In fact, after that, after that big drop, they had to backtrack and they actually started lowering rates. And then we had the uh, pandemic uh, this year and rates went back to uh, zero. So he is a Fed chairman who has, he came into office, he's not an economist, economist, he's a lawyer by profession, but you know, obviously a very smart guy. He came into office, he had certain ideas about how the market would respond, but now he's taking his cues from the market Whereas previously he was uh, doing what he thought was, you know, required. And now they've completely changed their tune. So now they're saying that we let interest rates remain zero until 2023 uh, yeah. because there is no inflation. So I, th I think he's a Fed chairman who's learned on the job. You know, he's not been bullheaded about his policy. I think he's been very flexible, which you could argue is, you know, something that that is uh, ideal in such an environment but at the end of the day i don't think his policy is any different from the previous two previous three fed chairmen including alan greenspan if you go back further where interest rates continuously declined because there was a there has been a period of disinflation since the early 80s and uh, really the balance sheet of the fed has continued expanding you know yeah, and it's it's continued under uh, Pavel as well. The Fed now holds a third of all mortgages, something like that. Uh, they own a lot of things they never owned in the past. They they've bought significant amounts of things. Corporate bonds now. Corporates in order to pull assets out of the economy and put cash in. What do you think about? the Fed's tendency to buy a lot more than government bonds. Or used to be all they bought was T-bills. Right. Yes, so um, I think it's uh, it's definitely scary from the point of view of, you know, the, the U.S. dollar is backed by, uh, you know, the full faith of the government and the Federal Reserve, you know, has tremendous power in terms of, what the value of a dollar is over time. Uh, it's scary when uh, the central bank starts buying assets which uh, are not default proof, uh, which have credit risk uh, and which are not backed by the government. So treasuries and mortgage-backed securities are backed by the government. Uh, corporate bonds aren't. Um, so I think it also shows in some ways just how dire the situation has become, you know, because every time there's a crisis, the Fed has to reach out further and further. So what's next, you know, after corporate bonds stocks? Well, <laughs> could, I mean, one could argue too that it, it, it's the demographic shift in the in the United States. You know, the the age of the pensions gone. The four hundred one k is now here. Um, you, you've got more and more people entering retirement phases of their life that that need these markets to be somewhat stable for right. them. Right. Um, you know, so the, the fed kind of is forced to change their tune where, you know, the, the markets 
are the the marching drum now where they used right. to not be that that's true so they've they've done quite a few studies about this and this phenomenon is called the wealth effect which basically means that in a country like the US which is a developed country over 50% i think that's the stat i read of the population is involved with the stock market the market does become very important when it comes to how the economy does well, that was a quick hour we're going to have to wrap this one up for this week Thank you for listening to the Tom Dupree Show. If you ever have to miss a show uh, on the air, you can always find it on our website under our radio show tab or where you listen and find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening this week. We will talk to you next week. Please know. We all know. When you need to know. People want to know. When you have to know. How this happened. You can be in the know. Right here. Right here. Everybody knows. Everybody knows it. But you never know. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, Be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.